Well, hey, my name's Stan, and I'm the lead pastor here. Welcome to church, those in the room and those online. We love our online crew and uh, thankful for you. Glad that you're able to be there. Hey, if you've been uh, in Melbourne this week, it has been a crazy weather week, hasn't it? You know, we've had some days that were beautiful and springy and like almost summer's coming, and then winter comes back with a vengeance, and we've had storms and rain and all of those kinds of things. It's been a crazy weather week, but for those of us in Melbourne, we know that that's just a normal week, right? Because it could happen at any time in the year just like that. So what uh, uh, weather is your favorite type of weather? Tell the person next to you. Type it in the chat. What kind of weather do you like? I'm hearing cold. I'm hearing very hot. Well, let me ask you this. Does anyone like storms? Anyone like storms? Yeah, storms are good for about five minutes. But then storms kind of make a mess around things, and you got to clean that mess up and everything. But one thing I'm confident about is even if you're different about the kind of weather you like and whether you like storms or not, no one likes storms in your life, right? We don't like it when life doesn't go to plan and when things become chaos and things are destroyed and it's just not fun. It gets really messy and nobody likes that, right? Anybody want to say you like that? Okay, good. I see no hands in the chat. Anybody in the chat liking that kind of thing, storms of life? No. Today, we're continuing our series, Genesis, how it all got started, and we've covered a lot of ground, how uh, things were created, how God created the world, how he made man in his image, and then how sin wrecked everything. And then we looked at a guy called Noah and how God found favor in him and how he was a righteous and blameless man. And we're going to continue today talking about the storm that's about to come. But if you've missed any of the, the previous messages, go back. You can find them on our YouTube channel, on our app, on our website. You can find, just search Werribee Baptist sermons, those things, and catch up because you don't want to be behind on all that. Catch up. But listen close today, then you can go back and catch up later. As we pick up the conversation today, we're going to be looking at the account of the flood, the greatest storm ever. And as we look at the flood, I want us to learn how we can navigate the storms of life that come along for us. In Genesis chapter 7, verse 11, it says, When Noah was 600 years old, on the 17th day of the second month, all the underground waters erupted from the earth, and the rain fell in mighty torrents from the sky. The rain continued to fall for 40 days and 40 nights. I want to just draw your attention really quickly to the specificity, yeah, that word, the specifics here, okay? It, it is amazing. He was 600 years, 17th day, the second month. It's very specific. You know what that tells me? That tells me that this is historical. That tells me that there's accuracy for all the skeptics out there who wonder about the, the uh, time frames and everything. You don't give actual time frames and dates if you're making something up. All right, so that gives us a little bit of credibility there. Then it goes on, verse 17 says this. For 40 days, the floodwaters grew deeper, covering the ground and lifting the boat high above the earth. As the waters rose higher and higher above the ground, the boat floated safely on the surface. Finally, the water covered even the highest mountains on the earth. 
what we find here is as the flood came, the 40 days, 40 nights of rain, and the, the upspring of water from underneath, that God provides protection in the storms of life. For Noah and his family and all the animals in the ark, there was protection from that storm. Waters erupted from beneath and torrential rain poured down from above for 40 days. It was a flood the magnitude of which the world has never seen and has never seen again. It had never seen it before and it's never seen it like that again. The whole face of the planet was covered. It changed the geography of the planet. It says that water covered all the mountains more than seven meters above the highest mountain peaks. Water covered the whole earth. Noah and his family were given a lifeboat, literally, to protect them from the storm. Now, some argue that the, the flood was not global. It was only a localized flood. And while I don't agree with, uh, with that uh, assessment, the key point that we need to understand is this. We need to understand what the flood accomplished. The flood, it says in verse 23, God wiped out every living thing on the earth, People, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and the birds of the sky, all were destroyed. The only people who survived were Noah and those with him in the boat. And the floodwaters covered the earth for 150 years. Days. Oh, oh. Hey, you know what? That was a test. Yeah, yeah. And you passed. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. All right. I got smart people today, so I need to do my smart preaching. There we go. All right. Hey, all humanity, all the animals that were not on the ark were destroyed. It was God's judgment on a sinful world. Only Noah and his family experienced God's grace, his provision, his protection. And, you know, I believe Noah would have been extremely grateful for God's grace and God's provision of the ark and God's protection. But I also think that Noah was human. And I think there would have been a lot more going on for Noah than just celebrating the protection that he didn't die in the flood. Think about what's going on for Noah. He had been working hard for 120 years, building that boat, preaching to his neighbors and trying to convince them to follow God. And then the flood came, and he, his he and his family were safe, but they were alone. They were the only humans left on the planet. Imagine an event coming right now, and you're the only human. You and your family are the only humans left on the planet. Would that be exciting? I think that would be a little bit troubling. A little bit traumatizing, maybe. You know, they were, they were trapped in a wooden box with tons of animals. There was no walks in the park. There was definitely no fresh air to be had. No, no weekend getaways for Noah and Mrs. Noah. And think about his three sons and their wives. I don't know if you've ever had family living together. A lot of you do. I know that. But when families live together, what happens? Even if they, they love each other heaps and tons and tons, there's friction, there's tension. 
Because more than one family doesn't populate a house very well for very long. Imagine, they're in that ark. They're in that ark for a year together. Even more importantly, they would have understood the destruction going on underneath them. They would have understood the magnitude of that. There would have been grief over the loss of everything. The loss of everyone. Every day on the ark, there would have been heaps of work to do. Just feeding the animals and tidying up the place to to make it livable. You know what this teaches us is that when we're going through the storms of life, even though we're protected in the storms of life, we still experience pain. There's still pain even though we're protected. It's still a storm and storms are destructive. Storms still do damage. Storms take a toll on us even if they're Uh, Our storm personally in our life, or if it's extended a little bit away from us, it still takes a toll on us. And can I just say, it's okay that in the midst of the storm, even if you're protected, to feel all kinds of emotions, confusion, anger, sadness, grief, maybe relief because you are being protected, but then when you feel relief because you're being protected from the storm, guess what you're also gonna feel? You're gonna feel guilt sometimes because you got protected when maybe other people didn't. Even if we're protected, there's still loss and grief. What storm are you going through right now? What's going on in your life or what's going on in the life of those around you that's impacting you deeply? Maybe your storm is economic. Maybe your finances are such a wreck because of all that's happened over the last few years around the world that you don't even know how you're going to pay your bills next month. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one that seems like they went far too soon and you don't understand that. Maybe it's a relationship storm Maybe one day you said, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. And then when the worst has come, you don't know if that relationship's going to make it or not. Maybe your kids are going off the rails and you're heartbroken and devastated. Maybe you are a kid and it's a parent that's gone off the rails and you're confused and angry. Maybe it's a terminal illness that you've been diagnosed with or a loved one's been diagnosed with. Or maybe it's like the great flood where it came at you from all sides and there's so many elements to your storm and your pain right now that you couldn't even describe it well. You're in a place that you never imagined and maybe you even feel hopeless. Like the storm's never gonna pass. Friends, I want to tell you today that there is hope and that the storm will pass. In Psalm chapter 29, we read a song that David wrote, and it's quite probable that he was watching a thunderstorm as he wrote this song uh, song when you read it. 
He wrote of God's voice and God's power in the storm. And then his mind and his thoughts went back to the biggest storm of all time, the flood. And this is what he wrote. He said this, the Lord sat enthroned at the flood and the Lord sits as king forever. The sweeping rain, the echoing thunder and the flashing lightning reminded David that no matter how bad the storms in life feel and seem at that moment, God is still on the throne. And God is still working all things together for good to those that love him and who are called according to his purpose. And he finished the song with this. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Friends, our hope in the storms of life is found in the fact that the creator of the universe is still on the throne. And he is not oblivious to your pain. He is not oblivious to the storm that you're going through right now. And he cares. And he will strengthen his people. That's you. That's me. He will strengthen us. It was also David that wrote the 23rd Psalm that says, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. There's beautiful imagery around these words, around this psalm, and it provides comforting reminders for us as we go through the storms of life. It says, though I walk through, to get out of the storm, you got to walk through the storm. You're not going to go around the storm. God says, you got to walk through that storm. You're going to walk through that storm, but I will be with you. You know, some of us or fix-it kind of people. And if you've got a storm in your life and you come talk to me about it, within about 30 seconds, I'm gonna start telling you what you need to do to fix it, okay? And that's probably not gonna be that helpful, right? That's why I don't usually be the one. I, I let Deanna talk to you instead of, the, instead of me or Pastor Enneke. Because I'm just gonna tell you like it is, hey, this is what you gotta do. It's so obvious to me. But you know what happens when we do that? I, I, I do that with my own storms too. And you know what usually happens? We make them worse. We make the situation worse by taking the matters into our own hands and trying to fix it ourselves rather than leaning into the one who says he is close beside us. When we feel alone in the storm, when we feel like no one understands and like maybe no one even cares, first of all, usually that's not as true as we think it is. Usually people do care more than we think. But when everybody around you is letting you down, God is there right beside you. It says his rod and his staff, they bring comfort. The rod and staff are pictures of a shepherd. Shepherd lovingly caring for, guiding, comforting, directing the sheep and doing everything for their own good. You know what we learn from that is that while we're protected, we may have pain, but God gives peace in the storms of life. Even in the midst of the storm, you can have peace in life. We all experience storms. And, you know, if you're sitting there today thinking, man, this is church. And we're talking about storms of life. And I'm actually feeling great. I'm wonderful. And I didn't want to hear about storms of life. Well, you need to because if you're not experiencing one now, you will be in a few minutes. Right? Or a few days or weeks. Storms are always coming. We're always going to be going through them. While you're going through the storm, the pain 
is real. And when the torrents of rain come, sometimes the tears are necessary and they're okay. When you're feeling overwhelmed with sadness and grief, it's even okay not to feel happy all the time. Really, it is. Just not around me, please. But no, seriously, it is okay. But in the midst of the storm, you need to take comfort that God is still on the throne. And while he's on the throne, this is something I cannot fathom in my small mind, okay? God, the creator of the universe, on the throne is close beside me at the same time. He's on the throne, but he's close beside me. He's close beside you when you're going through that storm. He's there to care for you, to comfort you, to give you peace. He's at work in your life and the work and, and at work in the lives of those around you. And you know, we're looking at chapter seven right now, the book of Genesis, and we see the flood and Noah's in the storm. But you know what? Chapter eight is just around the corner. Chapter 8 is just across the page. You may be in a storm right now, but this chapter that you're in is about to end, and the next chapter is right around the corner for you. Don't give up. Too often we give up. When we're in the storm, we give up because we think there's no hope, there's no solution coming. But friends, the next chapter is on the way. Look at chapter 8 and verse 1. It says, but God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and livestock with him in the boat. God remembered Noah. You know, when we read that verse, you, you, you might be thinking, wait a minute, do we have a God that has dementia or something? Did he forget Noah? Did he need it to remember him? No, God doesn't forget. Now, it may feel like sometimes in your life that God has forgotten, but God doesn't forget anything. When it says God remembered Noah, it says he remembered the promise that he had made to Noah, that he made a covenant with him to rescue him from the storm and repopulate the earth, to build, rebuild the earth with people, with human beings based on his family and establish a covenant with all of mankind. So in chapter 8, we see the waters began to recede. God sent a wind for that to happen. And 150 days um, after the beginning of the flood, the ark came to rest in the mountain region of Ararat, modern-day Turkey. And for two and a half months later, mountain peaks started becoming visible. So Noah's in the ark. The storm is over. The storm has passed. And there's hope. The storm's over. And now it's time to move on. The rain has stopped. Is it time to get out of the boat? If I'm Noah, I'm thinking, I'm getting out of this boat now. But it wasn't time yet. And what we see from Noah is that we need to wait patiently. We need to be patient in the storms of life. Noah knows relief is on the way, and he is waiting. Anybody like waiting? I think we've been here before, and we've talked about this before. I don't like waiting. Some of you don't like waiting, but sometimes when that storm is subsiding, when the storm is gone, there's still an aftermath, and we need to wait for the next. What do we do when we're waiting? I know what we do. I know what you do. I know what I do sometimes. We, sometimes we sit and we just think. We process all of the loss. We become anxious. And sometimes those responses are normal as you're grieving, as you're going through it. But 
I want to suggest to you that waiting does not mean that you do nothing. Waiting doesn't mean that you do nothing. Doing nothing is dangerous when you're sitting, evaluating the losses and the grief and and all of that. Doing nothing is going to leave you there. It's going to leave you stuck. You know what Noah was doing while he was waiting? He was evaluating what was going on. He continually was watching while he was waiting. Verses 6 through 12, you can read these on your own later today. Describe what he did. But he opened the window and he looked outside. And then he used birds to test and see if it was time to come out of the ark yet. And it says, first of all, he sent a raven. And the raven flew and the raven just flew around and around and around. And uh, it didn't come back to him. I think he came back and it rested on the ark because it couldn't find anywhere to rest. But it was busy eating the dead carcasses because it's a dirty bird. It's a dirty animal, kind of like magpies. But anyway, <laughs> so Noah's testing things. And then he sends out a dove. And three times he sent out the dove. The first time it just came right back to him and he graciously received it back and it came in. And then the second time it came back with an olive leaf. And then the third time it didn't come back at all. And there is a ton of imagery here and symbolism here that we could do in a deeper study. We're going to leave that there for now. But note that Noah was busy doing something while he was waiting says this then in verse 13, chapter 8, Noah was now 601 years old, first day of the new year, 10 and a half months after the flood began. The floodwaters almost dried up from the earth. Noah lifted back the covering of the boat and saw that the surface of the ground was drying. Two more months went by, and at last the earth was dry. Now it's time to come out of the boat, right? The earth is dry, but Noah's still waiting. On God. Noah had done what he could while he was waiting. And then after over a year in the boat, certainly growing eager to leave, the word came and God said, Noah, leave the boat. Woo! Would that be exciting? No? Oh my goodness. You've got protection and pain, okay, and you found some peace in the middle of it, and you've been patient, but now it's time to leave the boat. That's exciting, friends. Have you read my notes? Do you know where I'm going with this? I think you might. I think you might, because the storm's over. Life can get back to normal now, right? Not exactly. Not exactly. What do you think they're going to find outside the ark? Destruction, devastation, Sights that would be horrific. Smells would be pretty unpleasant. And while they were tired of living in the ark, there would have been some apprehension and some anxiety about what was on the other side of that door when it was time to leave the ark. See, at least in the ark, they knew what to expect and they learned how to function and they had routines that they went through every day. They didn't know what life would look like on the other side. What they knew is that it wasn't life as normal. It was going to be different. If we read on, it says that they left the the ark in a structured way, two by two. You can imagine all the animals lining up in order and then just filing out in procession, you know. I don't know if it really happened that way or not. But I know that it, it describes it as very structured and organized. And the structure and organization is going out into a world of chaos. 
That's what they were confronting. So they probably needed to be structured and organized to combat the chaos they were about to face. You know, through this whole season, we see Noah as a man of strong faith. It required faith for Noah to build an ark to start with. Didn't make any sense, but he built the ark because God said, build an ark, and he had faith. It required faith for Noah to stay in that ark and wait. I reckon some of you, if you've been on that ark for that year, after the rain stopped and you see the mountain peaks, some of you would have been bailing out. Some of you would have been jumping out and getting all muddy and everything and, and before it was really time. It required faith for Noah to stay there and wait for God. And then it required faith for Noah to leave the ark. It would have been very scary. There would have been fear about what was on the other side as they were getting ready to leave. But can I tell you that freedom is often on the other side of our fear. Freedom was on the other side of their fear. And it took faith to overcome that fear. Faith is the pathway to freedom. In the storm that you're in right now, you need to have faith in God. You need to have faith in Jesus Christ that can get you out of that storm to the freedom that you want to experience. Noah stepped in to his purpose, and we need to step out of the storm and into our purpose and God's promises. God rebuilt the human race because Noah stepped into it. You know, I thought a lot about Noah in the years of lockdown. Remember the years of lockdown? Those of you in other countries, you, you, you may have been locked down like 20 minutes or something. But here in Victoria, we were locked down a lot, right? Right? Do you remember those days? Did I just give anybody PTSD by bringing it up again? You know, I thought about Noah a fair bit during that time because he was in lockdown in the ark. We are two years removed from that now. And I want you to think about how you felt when the lockdowns would come and go. And then by the end, when it became pretty evident that, okay, this is for real, we're actually going to go back out into the world again, how did you feel? Were you excited? Some of us were excited. But even if you're excited, there was also some uncertainty. There was also some questions. Is it safe? Will we get sick? Will the world be the same as it was before? And maybe some of you were afraid even to come back out. Maybe some of you are still online because you're afraid to come back out. Can I just share with you, freedom is on the other side of that fear. We found that out. That Well, life is not exactly the same as it was before lockdown. Life has gone on. There is new life. Think about the storm you're in right now, whether it's the finances or the family or whether it's health, whatever your losses are. Where are you at in that storm? How can you navigate it? We're going to navigate the storms. We need to understand that you will have pain. Acknowledge that. Don't think that the pain is wrong or don't think that you're weak because you feel pain. It's okay. You're normal. Those feelings are valid. But God is with you. And because God is with you, you can find peace. You can find peace in the midst of that storm. You need to lean into his presence because he's on the throne while you're in pain. And he's close beside you and you can find that peace. 
And, you know, you may go away from here today thinking, okay, yes, I'm in a storm and it's painful, but, yeah, I can, I can have that peace. And you might feel a little bit better today. But you know what? The storm's still not completely over. The waters haven't necessarily receded. The situation didn't magically change because I told you to let the pain be okay and find peace. So you're going to need to be patient while things change, while you come out of the storm, while you're waiting for that next chapter, and while you're waiting patiently, be preparing for that next chapter so that you can step into your purpose. Step into God's promises for you. Life after the storm is uncertain, friends. It's going to look different. Life may need rebuilding, whatever your storm is that you're coming out of. The future is unknown, and that comes with a fair amount of fear. And when the fear is there, you've got a choice to make. You can stay in the rubble of the storm, paralyzed by fear. Or you can imagine a future that is different, and you can take a step of faith towards new freedom because freedom is on the other side of our fear. And to overcome fear and experience freedom, you need to take a step of faith. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the account that we have in your word about this great flood. And Lord, that, it's a traumatic thing to even read about and to study and understand what was going on. But Lord, thank you for the lessons that we can learn. Thank you that we can know that in the storms of life we're protected. But that protection doesn't mean it doesn't hurt and that we don't go through some pain. And Lord, I want to pray for all those in the room right now who are going through pain. I pray that you would bring peace, that you would bring comfort, that while they're walking through the darkest valley, they would not have to be afraid because you would be close beside them. Be close beside them, please, Lord. Lord, help us with our patience. But then, Lord, when you say move, when you say it's time to come out of that storm, it's time to start that next chapter, help us have the faith to step into our purpose and step into your promises and experience freedom. Give us faith that overcomes our fear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.